0: mark sanchez has just as many road playoff wins as joe burrow we live in the movies on the brain podcast i am one of your hosts brian seawood with me this evening is my good friend and co-host
1: you can't see me right now but i'm eyeing this camera because of that chad metz
0: welcome to another weird wild and wacky week in the world of weather balloon news so chad <laughs> so chad um we were waiting on pins and needles to the very last day of the month of january before my life uh crumbled before my eyes on the 1st day of february um for the dc slate announcement um your thoughts sir on the gods and monsters of it all so
1: um before i get to the like, slate the like we really we waited till the last day but in actuality um the day before is when James Gunn and Pete Saffron met with the media and they laid out everything and answered questions and gave the media time to write their pieces, which all of them wrote many plentiful pieces. And nobody said a word until uh, on that last day, at like I think it was like eleven o'clock. They all they were all allowed to release the embark their embargo was up. And they were allowed to release everything, and nobody said a word until then. Like. The people that were in the room, of course, wouldn't say anything because access, but they're people. They tell people they know, hey, I know all this stuff. But in the past, they would have said, hey, I know all this stuff. And those people would have went and ran and blabbed or whatever, but we got none of that. So before we even got the announcement, once I I realized that was going on, I was like, okay, so it's looked like things have changed for a while. But this was like a concrete, like given up because we've talked about it for years wb leaks like a sieve when it comes to dc leaks all about um people jockeying for position saying this giving a truthful leak about something to make something else look bad and vice versa and WB itself would never clarify or anything with any of these leaks the closest you would get would be a uh a a an article in the trade, which is a leak in itself. So it just and it always felt messy. But with this, it was nice, clean. It was like, here, here's what we're telling you. Go with it as you will at this date that we're telling you, and don't tell anybody else. And they did that. So, in that regard, it makes me think: okay, the leadership in place is actually leading and changing things. And this change has been for the better. Now. For the actual slate itself, which we're gonna get into in detail. Uh, my overall thought is not quite the way I would have done it, but I think this is better than anything they've ever done so far. They've tell they're they're clearly laying out this is what we're gonna do, this is how we're gonna do it, and anything else that's not what we're doing here can go over here. And we have things established that's going over here that have nothing to do with the main line, what we're doing. But you can still do that. And we'll let people still come in and do that stuff. But it's got to be like um, a high bar because we don't want people to just misuse these characters just for the sake of saying they can do it. So uh, we'll get into specific thoughts, but that's like my, you know, galaxy brain view of what happened on uh, Tuesday.
0: Yeah, I mean,
1: you and I had talked for a
0: while about the use of the else Elseworld label and how that could potentially be an avenue for them uh, to use, to use that to their advantage. And, um, and so it wasn't really a surprise for me to slap the uh, Elseworld paint on Matt Reeves' Batman universe and, um, and, you know, Todd Phillips' Joker universe. It was kind of a surprise to see, for me to see Gunn coming out in, Blatantly endorsing the Flash point movie, um, talking in such glowing terms about it. Um, I just kind of surprised me right because I figured he'd probably want to stay away from tying his name to any of that just in case it 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 blew to hell. Um, but the slate itself, there's nothing here that really surprises me. Like this is this is a good solid lineup. When you have James Gunn at the helm, you're gonna have Weird things that deep cut runs that only comic book nerds know. So it's, you know, look at Guardians, you know. Look at some of the characters he included in his Suicide Squad. Like, Deep Cut is James Gunn. That's that's what he does. So I wasn't surprised at some of that. Um, the fact that the Superman stuff is is probably the most prominent stuff, and I know that's probably what we'll spend the majority of our time on, but like I like the idea of anchoring this around Superman and not anchoring it around another Batman movie. So, um, Swamp Thing, James Mangold just seems like a perfect fit for what that thing is. Um, and I think that can be done in a real positive way. I think it's just for me, when I hear the term gods and monsters, all I can think about is Russell Crowe in the mummy and that's all.
1: <laughs> oh, well, I didn't see the Mummy, So why specifically
0: that? because the line that everybody associates with the dark universe is the line. And I quote, welcome to a universe of gods and monsters.
1: Oh, okay. That is quite on the nose then.
0: Uh, And he was, he was literally Jekyll and Hyde.
1: Yeah, that, yeah, that I knew, I knew he was Jekyll and Hyde, but I didn't know that that was said and how relevant that would be to this. Um, yeah, uh, of course I'm, I'm very happy about the approach to centering Superman, but for uh, me, so of course I would be. But uh, how about we just get into the slate, and we can you can hear me gush about those things in real time?
0: Sounds good to me, sir. Lay it on me.
1: All right. So there's so many articles about this stuff. I'm going by uh, an article from Variety that just lists everything out in categories. Um, so th- that's how this list will go. This is not in release order. But uh, it starts with movies, and the first one they list is uh, Superman Legacy. Uh, it's also, I think, the only movie that was announced that actually had um, a release date, which is set for July eleventh, 2025. Um, the, uh, from, from the press release, it says, uh, I think it was, oh, Safran says this, this is going to focus on Superman balancing his Kryptonian heritage with his human upbringing uh, he is the embodiment of truth, justice, and the American way. He is kindness in a world that thinks of kindness as old-fashioned. Uh, so, and they did say that this would be while there'll be other projects before it, uh, specifically the four projects that are still coming out this year, and I think like two before two in the slate that will come out before this. They are saying this is like the official kickoff to this new DCU universe that we have going on
0: yeah i mean that that makes sense uh what's the title of the article that you're reading
1: it is a new dc universe unveils its first 10 projects and you know what i will see if they will let me drop it in the chat
0: yeah i was just on the uh yeah there you go i got it uh i was just (laughs) trying to trying to find it there
1: um yeah there's so many i I grabbed the first one that was cohesive
0: that's got to be just a different kind of thing, right? Than the kind of Superman films that we've gotten. That sounds sounds um, more just, like a Smallville type deal than it does most uh, most of the others, right?
1: So it's definitely different from um, from the the previous take we had, which was a uh, you know Zack Snyder's take. Uh, it's not in this particular piece that we have with us, but uh, I think it was James Gunn that said that. His biggest weakness is that he doesn't want to kill anybody. He doesn't want to hurt anybody. Uh, and th- that's his greatest weakness, which is, in th- to a lot of people, in direct contrast to what we got previously from uh, from the Snyder's... Yeah, Snyder I saw story. a
0: very long discourse going on today about Pa Kent, so...
1: Yeah, um, and, and the graphic they... Like, in the video that James Gunn did himself, the graphic that they used was from uh, the comic All-Star Superman. Uh, written by Grant Morrison, drawn by Frank Quietly. It's one of those definitive Superman stories. Uh, And Gunn said, you know, they're taking inspiration from that. He's not going to be All-Star Superman, but they're taking inspiration from that. And All-Star Superman is one of those that is almost like universally um, recognized among Superman fans as like a quintessential Superman story. Uh, So to me, when he said it just that way, he's like, he's not All-Star Superman, but they're being inspired by that. That spoke to me, because while I like All-Star Superman, uh, it is definitely um, it's more of a a Silver Age take on Superman, and I'm more of a modern take on Superman kind of dude, like uh, from late 80s on. But the spirit of that book, the spirit of who Superman is, the whole kindness part, all Star Superman wraps that up. When you if you like Superman even if you don't care for the silver age, if you like Superman and read that book, you will see Superman in it. You will recognize that character and taking inspiration from that I I think it's the perfect way to go. If you can capture that inspiration from that or give him the 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 modern Superman sensibilities which is um for those that don't know, if you think of Superman, the movie with Christopher Reeve, that is like um, Silver Age Superman, Uh, Clark. He it's Superman playing Clark Kent, where he makes him overly bumbling and uh, clumsy and all, and kind of inept at stuff. That's more of a Silver Age Superman, whereas Modern Superman, Clark is like he Clark is who he is, and he dresses up as Superman to go out and do things. So that's kind of the difference. So if you can take the spirit of All Star Superman, wrap it into he is Clark. He just does stuff as Superman. I think that's the way to go. And it sounds like that's the way they're going to go with this.
0: Well, I have no doubt they'll get it right. And 2025 gives you a decent amount of time to get everything uh, set up and ready and, and cast and, and do all that. And then the article says that Saffron is hopeful he can persuade Gunn to direct. As he is going to write the film. Very few things I've ever known James Gunn to write and not direct. Um, like it, it's, it's, it's going to be his baby. And it would make sense that it's Zasloff has said that Superman was a priority for him and for the company and for the brand. And if you're going to entrust James Gunn with the future of the universe, you need to uh, entrust him with your biggest character. And that would be Superman in this case. Um, The other thing I'm interested in is the little byline that's in parentheses right there about the J.J. Abrams, bad app, bad robot produced Tallahassee Coats movie which is non d c e u canon uh but it is apparently still in active development, which uh is probably I think the first update on that film we've gotten in a hot minute.
1: there have been others, but it's pretty much been the same they keep they'll keep mentioning it uh saying that it's still in development, so I do think part of what this press release is, and um, I think you can really see it when they talk about um when they were talking about Wonder Woman and like Aquaman um how they're in this, they're leaving the door open for all these possibilities. I just I wonder how much of that is actually leaving the door open as opposed to um, in the case of those other two, we still have movies coming out this year that those other two are probably a part of. So we can't say anything disparaging about them until those movies come out. And with this of uh, nehisi Coast movie, um, maybe it's more of a we haven't cross our t's and dotted our i's and saying this movie is not going to happen so we'll keep saying it until we actually pull it like you know like a a year from now or or whatever not to say that's what's going to happen with either one with any of those i could be dead wrong but i really think there's a lot of like positive spin just to say none of these things are going to happen in the future oh did i lose you
0: yeah i mean but that that thing is interesting to me for a number of reasons the black superman aspect of it the michael b jordan aspect of it the the aspect that like they gave jj a first look deal um like all indications are previous regimes looked at jj as a potential way to save the dceu um so that's kind of like bad robot having a first look deal and they having the superman movie and it not getting off the ground in this many this long a time it's kind of a surprise to me that it's still floating around there when at some point you would just say, yeah, we're no longer working on that because when you pay for a first look deal, you're looking to get money off of it. You're looking to looking for the person to create ideas that really like spark and create business for your company and entity. Uh, um, Look at how much money, uh, look at how much money Netflix paid Ryan Murphy. And they didn't get a huge hit. Off of that until the Jeffrey Dahmer story. Um, he had done three other projects for Netflix that did not hit culturally. It took that one hit for them to make their money back. Um, so I, I'm inter- interested to me from a business perspective if they offered you that as part of a first look deal and you accepted, and now it's just kind of been lingering out there, what that looks like. And if you don't just make it just to make JJ happy.
1: I don't know. Um, like, I don't think. Since he signed that deal with them, has he done any projects? Like, has he gotten anything off the ground? Mm
0: -mm. And And that's been like, to be fair, the man made Force Awakens and Rise of Skywalker in small parentheses. Um, (laughs) So, the man doesn't necessarily need the money. um, And he has been a a frequent producer who puts his hand in things and starts things and then walks away from them. Um, You know, so. But he, he, they haven't, he has not produced anything for them that has reached that level, uh, except for Westworld. And I think, and Westworld just got canceled. So,
1: yeah. Well, I mean, it's not like they can take back the money they've already given him. So, somebody, especially these BE counters, somebody's got to be like, Where's the production, bro? Come on. So, maybe it's more to do with they might be trying to cut ties with him overall because he hasn't produced anything yet. And if he was going to, and, yeah, like you said, a lot of people thought he'd have a heavy hand in DC when he came in, and none of that's uh, coming to fruition. Maybe they're like, okay, it's time to cut bait with this dude, and they still got to work that out. And once they work that out, this movie will go away.
0: JJ Abrams' Bad Robot signs a exclusive uh, signs a first look deal with Warner Brothers Media, reportedly worth two hundred and fifty million. For bad robots, film, TV, digital, and gaming divisions to be housed under their roof. A whole lot of cash
1: for a whole lot of
0: nothing. $250 million. And the last project, um, the latest project is uh, Demi Mode, uh, which is bit having uh, budget issues back in May. Yeah. So, yeah. $250 million for for the first look deal, and you've gotten nothing out of it in the first four years.
1: Yeah, they yeah. Especially this regime that's all about the dollars and cents. They cannot be thrilled with that. They gotta be chomping at the bit to get rid of this dude.
0: All right. Uh so let's move on to the next item on the list.
1: All right. And another movie. Uh this is um a lesser known comic property. It's called the authority. Uh so the basic way I can, I didn't really read the authority, but I know who they are. Um, they're from an imprint of DC Comics called Wildstorm. Wildstorm was made by a current, uh, I think, CEO of DC now. His name is Jim Lee. Back in 92, uh, he launched this imprint with DC. And one of the teams that came out of it was the authority. They are um, an ends justify the mean superhero team. Meaning, you know, they they are supposed to be heroes, but they're not with the whole letting people live stuff. They're like, whatever it takes to do the good, we're gonna do it. If that means killing people, we will. That's kind of their whole deal. Uh, If anyone has ever seen uh, the animated DC film Superman versus the Elite, the Elite are kind of based on authority. The at that point, DC could use the authority for some whatever reason. Or maybe they didn't buy Wildstorm yet. I think that's what it was. But now they have Wildstorm so they can integrate the authority into the DCU proper. And this is interesting to me because when they spoke about it, they spoke about the authority spinning directly out of Superman Legacy and considering what the authority is and how they operate. If they exist in this world, they're going to be at odds with Superman. So how they link up is... It's gonna be interesting, but the whole premise of them is a lesser known team, you know, again a James Gunn thing thing, lesser known team, putting them together. I don't think they'll have the they won't have the comedy of like Peacemaker and Guardian, but it's uh this one was one I wouldn't I did not expect at all. Not even on my radar. So it's it just shows me that they're not just and they kind of said it, they're they're not just going with the the heavy hitters the a-listers in dc they're going to sprinkle in uh these lesser known properties to like flesh out this world and that is an interesting strategy a lot of people think it's a really a bold not even bold a risky strategy uh and they will point to marvel and to them i would say well marvel came out the gate yeah you might think iron man thor and captain america are a-listers now they were not then Marvel had to do it because it was out of necessity. DC is is doing it out of let's flesh everything out in our first swing. We're going to encompass big things. We're going to encompass small things. So it is a bold strategy, and you know we'll see how it works.
0: I mean, it's a it's a question mark to me in the same way that Guardians was a question mark to me um, back in in the spring of two thousand and. Twelve when they announced it, or the summer twenty twelve when they announced it um it seems right up James Gunn's alley it's being written. we don't know by whom um and they it's the way that they phrase it is a direct uh springboarder uh what's the term um it, it will lead- di- like lead directly into the authority. yeah um which i mean that's that's how these things should go um I don't know, man. I trust. I trust James Gunn. I trust Safran. I trust that they want to do unique and different things, as he says in the piece. Not every good, every not every movie and TV show is going to be good guy versus bad guy. Um, and James Gunn has made a living off of you know dubi- morally dubious teams. <laughs> so I, I trust him to do the same here. I just don't think there's going to be a Talking raccoon or a talking tree, but that doesn't mean it can't be something weird or different. Look at what you know, Doom Patrol was. Rest in peace.
1: Well, uh, so this next this next project that's announced, this one is probably the most interesting to me, even outside of Superman, and it's called The Brave and the Bold. Basically, this is going to be a Batman and Robin movie with the introduction of we're going to get a new Batman, and this Batman is going to have a Robin in the form of, in the comics continuity, the fifth Robin, who is also Batman's son, Damian Wayne. Uh, Now, Damian Wayne uh, is the son of Bruce and Talia Agu, Ra's Agu's daughter. And they had a child. Bruce didn't know about it. And in the comic series, Talia just kind of drops him off and he's like, he's between eight and 10. He's like, here, here you go. And Bruce has to deal with this kid who's been raised by the League of Assassins, Assassins. So as Gunn described him, he's a little son of a bitch. He's an assassin and he's a murderer. And you're pairing that with Batman. And this Batman is going to be more of a comic, accurate Batman, it seems. And, you know, he has that whole thing against not killing. So they're in lives of conflict. So this one was, I mean, outside of it being a Batman movie, this is interesting to me because, one, we already have Matt Reese's. The Batman movies going on, and while they they said and we talked about it earlier that they have an Elseworlds label and this is going under there, it's the idea now we that I didn't know they were going to do a full on Batman movie because of that. I know James is going to say Batman was going to be important to this universe, so I thought you know maybe we'll see him pop up in other things and not necessarily get his own movie, but now they're bringing him in, and what better way to have him contrast or be different than the Matt Reeves version than by pairing him with Robin. Uh, personally, it would not have been my Robin. I spent years hating Damian Wayne, but I've, I've come around on him. But I see the interest there. I see the intrigue there. But, but having Damian, and I, they said it, this is like the introduction of the Bat family. So I think we'll have those other Robins have already existed and we might see them pop up in this movie, but it's going to focus on this new Batman and Robin. So I just, I kind of just can't believe that they're going to concurrently have two Batman, bat, two Batman, two different kind of Batman in movies, uh, so close to each other. I'm, I'm intrigued to see what their take is going to be and how audiences take to it, because you know I've said this. I think I've said this a, a little time in the past. The Matt Reeves Batman, I think, to the general audiences, just looking at it, it's it looks and skews more like Nolan, and there's nothing differentiating that from Nolan. And maybe that's fine, especially now with the Elseworlds label. Maybe people will just be okay with that. This Batman, I think, hopefully, is more closely aligned to what people, you know, my age, a little bit younger, think of as Batman from the animated series, which. I think will grab more people automatically is going to probably grab more younger people. And that's what they want to. So I'm really intrigued in this one and how it's going to look, how it's going to feel and more and how it's going to perform since we have such a direct contrast across the street with Matt Reeves.
0: Yeah. I mean, the thing is like, for me, if you're going to do a Batman story, then you need to do something that's different and unique that we haven't really seen before. And I think that in terms of Batman on film, you talk in you you distinguish it by two separate eras. There's the 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 Burton and Schumacher era, and then there's the Nolan era. And there's the Snyder era and now the Reeves era. And to a lot of people, the Reeves era and the Nolan era are kind of similar in tone and tenor. And the Snyder is just Murder Bat. And then you've got the Burton and Schumacher stuff that over here, that's like super campy and bat nipple. Um, and so, but if you look at all those things, right, they're all different. They're all unique. They all bring something different to the table. And what is unique here is the father son dynamic that we haven't ever seen with the bat with Batman, not on film. Um, you know, I don't know if they'll keep the, Tal- the Talia Al Ghul uh, connection.
1: Um, I don't oh, they know. Will. They will. I-, I guarantee they will.
0: Yeah, they they can, and that that would be great. But like, at least it's a father son dynamic. I I I get this picture in my head of uh, of uh, Yondu and and Peter Quill. You know, the at the end of Gal- Guardians Volume Two. You know, that that kind of quirky father son dynamic and. I think that that's something that could be interesting to play on film because we don't see a lot of superheroes who have children and especially the ones who don't know they have children are thrown into fatherhood along with the superhero stuff. So I think that this could be a really interesting place to take a Batman that is closer to, say, oh, what is it? Uh, not the long night. Um, uh, what? Not the long Halloween. Not the long night. Um, what is the comic book run where he's... Uh, where they Batman well, closer to Batman Beyond. Oh, okay. Some uh, some something closer to Beyond, where he's an older, uh an older figure, but instead of being removed, he's actually actively in the game.
1: Um uh, I mean, I kind of see what you're saying. I don't think they're gonna go too old with him because they kind of still want him to be a contemporary of Superman, even though Superman is going to be younger and the the word is he'll be like twenty-five. So Yeah.
0: I think basically, basically, you're looking at where Tom Welling was about the time, um, about the time Superman Returns comes out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I think that will put your Bruce, he's probably in his mid 30s. So he'll, he'll be like older than Superman, but not, I don't think they go older than like 40.
0: No, I think, I think it'll be a Superman, uh, a, a, a Batman in his 30s. But I mean, it doesn't preclude the, doesn't preclude the eldership aspect of mentoring a young child a younger version, which is something we haven't seen. like they, they there was no parent, parental dynamic or or younger versus older dynamic with with either Kilmer and Clooney, uh, Kilmer yeah. or clooney and and uh old boy uh Chris O'Donnell. O'Donnell. um I can't it's believe Chris ODonnell's
1: a grown ass man. Right, I, 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 and he, he was probably in his early twenties, but the character itself was like eighteen, nineteen, which I think is fine for a Robin, but not for like an introduction to Batman and Robin.
0: Right, but like if you like that juxtaposition didn't work in that way. We got some of that juxtaposition in a good in a good way in the Dark Knight Rises, but it wasn't paying off to anything. It wasn't we were going to never see Bale and Levitt together. So like, it wasn't going to pay off. So it will be nice and interesting to see the right age dynamic played on screen with these two characters in the 21st century.
1: Uh, Oh, Oh, I I thought about this while you were talking real. By the time this movie comes out, it would have been 30 over 30 years since we've had a movie with Batman and Robin actual robin in it together so it's it's time people don't people aren't there's there's like a whole generation that probably isn't aware of what robin means to batman even though robin has been with batman uh for those people that like to think of batman as this loner dark character for whatever there was only one year where batman exists without robin in the comics so to go 30 plus years Without Batman having a damn Robin in a live action movie is, I I think it's criminal. I, I think it's a great disservice to both characters. So,
0: well, the thing the thing there is the dynamic worked for those last two Schumacher films. They it did it it worked, and even I'd argue that Alicia Silverstone does a decent job with what she's given as uh, as what well, isn't bat it isn't Batgirl. It's uh, oh
1: no, she's Batgirl.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Batgirl. She's so not
1: she's just not Barbara Gordon, she's uh yeah. Barbara she's Pennyworth. Or Pen- she's
0: Penny's, Pennyworth's daughter. Um but um they did an okay job there with those dynamics. But when you roll around to the to the Bert, to the um, uh to the uh Nolan stuff, Nolan barely understood the concept of what you know you could you could make a convincing case that Batman is a supporting character in all three of his movies, under Nolan. <laughs> you can make a compelling case. It does not seem that Chris Nolan loves the character of Batman. It seems like he loves the idea of use, utilizing Batman as a story narrative storytelling device to explore the world around him and what and use that world to tell stories about our current society. Um, he does not seem to be a guy who's like holding Batman up as any kind of lure. So when you do that, a guy like that isn't going to be deeply interested and in true and uh, deeply interested in bringing in a sidekick. Um, You get the Joseph Gordon-Levitt thing in dark Knight rises, but that's to set up a Batman beyond type thing where Bruce goes off and has his life, but there's a new Batman to take over a new, a new vigilante to take over. Um, And then we all know that Zach was not a Robin guy. (laughs) Like how are you going to bring a... Rob- like, he had a Robin. He died. Like, that's that's the whole, like, uh, uh, Todd thing. Like, they do that in, in Snyder's version. So while we don't get an active Robin, at least he had a Robin at one point. But you're right, sure. you know. But those two filmmakers didn't have a desire to do or a need to... And I would argue that a Robin wouldn't have fit either one of their aesthetics um so now when you get your third filmmaker in 20 years uh third filmmaker in 25 years working on batman uh you finally got one who's actually interested in what the dynamic between a batman and a robin could be
1: yeah and then the, i'm i'm really i'm really curious how they're gonna pull off Daniel. i would say david like it all comes down to how they pull off Damien, but i know i think in this particular case i think it's how they pull off you know everything uh regarding this because how people think about batman and and Reeves having his own batman and you know all of that but they 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 kind of said they want a young damien so a lot of us that have been defending a robin on screen is like well batman just wouldn't bring a a child out to do this kind of stuff but that's very much what we're getting with damien so how are they going to tell that story and how they're going to pull it off that it, we, we feel, um, how do I say it? We feel that Batman is not being neglectful. He's not being a terrible parent by bringing this kid out there. So how do you do that? I don't know. So I'm watching this, this development to see how they begin to address that. But the whole concept is exciting to me because I love Robin and I think Batman has to have a Robin. And this is the finally, finally at the year. this is the the franchise is going to give it to me.
0: Yeah, and you wouldn't have wanted Zach's Robin. You you would have you wouldn't have wanted his Todd. <laughs> that would that would not have been something that you would have enjoyed. It, matter of fact, it probably would have taken years off your life.
1: Well, if if it if it were Jason Todd, um, I actually would have been fine with what Zach would have done because that meant the bastard would have been dead, and I could have lived with that. You could have, He could have done whatever horrible thing he wanted to do with him, but it always ended up with him being dead. But listening to Zach describe it, it wasn't Jason that was dead, it was Dick. And there we have a huge, huge problem. No, man, you don't just kill off Dick.
0: Yeah, again, Zach, not exactly the guy who had an affinity for that kind of a thing. But you, it'll be interesting. I think this is the most interesting uh, of the things that was announced for me outside of the uh, Amanda Weller's thing. So we will see. On to the Supergirl of it all.
1: Right. So I don't have as much sandwich next to, so we can kind of speed walk through these. But uh, the next feature, movie feature project, is a Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow. It is based on a miniseries written by uh, comic writer Tom King, who it also happens to be. Uh, they said they had a kind of writer's room of people constructing all of this stuff uh, with people from movies and TV in the room. And also in the room was Tom King, the guy that wrote this series, the guy that's also written Batman, who's also written Superman. So didn't it he created... didn't he write Heroes? No, 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 no. Not, that's not him. Uh, <laughs> uh, that guy's last name was King. I can't remember his first name, but no, Tom King. Uh, he was a former CIA agent, and he's turned into a comic book writer and a pretty damn good one. So, but he he's written most of the DC characters, most of the char- most of the main. Well, not main most of the big characters in this list. So he's a good voice to have in that room. But this this movie is taking its inspiration from that line. And what they said about this was, uh, we know who Superman is. So imagine Supergirl is, she's, she's lived her whole life on a chunk of Krypton, just watching the people around her die for 14 years. So what does that do to a person? That's the, that's the person we're meeting in Supergirl. Uh, he he called this much more like "quote unquote" hardcore uh, kind of movie intake than probably what we would expect with Superman. So I don't know what, quite what that means. Uh, I didn't read this run. I plan on reading it now, but I know a lot of people, most of the people that I know that read it, have nothing but good things to say <laughs> about it. So I'm 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 excited to see this take on Supergirl and surprised that it's in this slate. I, I thought especially with a Superman movie coming out that we probably wouldn't get a Supergirl There have been Girl rumors about a many, Supergirl many
0: movie for a hot second
1: though. There have, but uh, I mean the first set of plans, well no that, that was, I'm thinking of Batgirl. I just figured if you're doing Superman you're not going to do Supergirl right now. And they're like no, 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 we'll do it. But what it does tell me is that they specifically said this is Kyra zor I, I know that one of the Supergirl rumors we had before was that they were going to use the, the version from the Flash movie going forward and she would get her own movies and kind of be a proxy Superman. I don't think that's in the cards for this one, so I think we're losing that actress going forward.
0: Which totally makes sense. So, I mean, that, I mean that's a good way to go. And, like, I like the idea, again, I like the idea of a different approach. Um, Gunn likes fallible, messed up characters. Um, and I think nothing more points to that than you know, Rocket in the Guardians franchise and um Peacemaker in his uh in his Suicide Squad franchise, like he like he likes, he understands, he gets deeply, fundamentally messed up people. And if you sat on a rock that was a chip off of a planet that was destroyed and sat there and watched your friends and family slowly die. Over the the first 14 years of your life, which are the most, um, you know, formative years of your life, you would probably not be in a great mental state. Um, so I think that it'll be interesting to see that contrast between, you know, the, the kid who gets adopted out to the nice family and the kid who gets stuck in foster care having to be, you know, having to be left alone. It, it, it'll be an interesting dynamic.
1: Right. <laughs> So, the last thing on our list uh, is Swamp Thing. They're trying to make Swamp Thing happen again. Uh, Swamp Thing has been, it's got a couple of B type movies from the late 80s, early 90s. I know one of them had Heather Locklear in it. I think it's Swamp Thing 2, Return of Swamp Thing, whatever. And it recently had. um,
0: There's a name I haven't heard in about 25 years. Uh, uh, you're bringing back Melrose place for me.
1: Yeah. Well, that, I think this is the first thing I knew her from, but, um, also,
0: it's funny because I, I just got finished the state tonight watching house arrest and seeing a very young Jamie Lee Curtis or younger Jamie Lee Curtis, but also seeing a very, very young pre party of five, Jennifer Love Hewitt. There's some
1: names that I know. young, in, But, uh, But anyway, uh, oh, uh, the latest incarnation of Swamp Thing we got was from, um, it was the DC Universe app when they were doing scripted shows. You know, that's where Titans and Harley Quinn and Doom Patrol all started before being folded into HBO Max. When that happened, HBO Max didn't take Swamp Thing, so it ended up kind of on the CW. But the people that watched it really, really liked it. Swamp Thing has never really been my thing, so I don't, I don't know as much about anything that they're doing. I do know that the movie is supposed to be taking this inspiration from the Alan Moore run, which is which is like when you're talking to Swamp Thing, it's like the run of the character. It's most of the things that we know about the character come from that run. So again, but it's this is a while he is popular, he's off the beaten path, he's weird. It fits into James Gunn's kind of weird. Aesthetic kind of stuff, but they did say, "Well, he'll be more hands off with the rest of the universe. Everything he had happens there is still canon, still within that one universe. So he will show up in other things. So I'm I'm excited to see what direction they go. Oh, they were after this dropped. um People were saying James Mango uh wasn't was. I think he like tweeted something about Swamp Thing or whatever it alluded to it. And then the next day, I think one of the trades, I think Variety itself were saying that uh DC is trying is in talks with uh, James Bango to do swamp things. So already pulling out heavy hitters, trying to get trying to get to heavy hitters in these things.
0: Yeah, so this is this excites me for the main reason that I believe that this could be a really fantastic movie. Um, because I see the potential. And what the dark universe over at Universal could have been if it had been done correctly. And I think that if it had been done correctly, it would have been things, uh, characters that are more iconic than Swamp Thing would have been done right and would have led to an interconnected series of horror films. Um, that's, that's the thing here is like guns very specific about it having a horror tone, but like, Mangold can do action really really well, but he also gets relationships really really well. And so I could very easily see that aesthetic working. Um I think some of the some of the concern is okay, well, how does Swamp Thing fit with Batman and Superman and Robin? And it's the thing is it doesn't necessarily have to all the time, but if you do it correctly and do it right, it can be he can be just as tragic and heroic a figure as either superman or batman so um you know trust gun trust the process but man if you can get to uh, mangold to to sign on board and get a good writer uh i i would be more than happy to be down with this
1: yeah but for, for those that want to enjoy it i hope it's there for them uh depending on what they do i might see it but i will say probably well i mean uh, no,
0: like like my thing is this is what i want like. Cruise's mummy movie is horrible, but it's like it's it's horrible because it's not a horror movie. It's more pulpy 90s action movie and it doesn't know that it's that and it tries to be something else. And that's the problem. It's like there were too many chefs in the kitchen and no one knew what the end result was supposed to be. Um those guys, you know, wolf wolfman, uh Dracula, the invisible man, all these kind of classic monsters that universal had if they had been treated with the respect and the dignity of horror that they deserve could have been both tragic and heroic at the same time and it could have worked um i would have loved to have seen more of what what uh russell crowe's um uh jekyll and hyde would have been but there's a way to do that to balance that 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 heroic with the tragic and i think that Mangle would be an absolutely home run, perfect fit for what I know of Swamp Thing.
1: Yeah, I think he would do. um, I think he'd do a great job on it, and it seems like he wants to do it. So why not? This if is uh, this is it?
0: this is not an endorsement of Indiana Jones Five, by the way.
1: Not at all. But
0: yeah. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Correction: Indiana Jones Four. <laughs> there have only been three Indiana Jones movies, so this is the fourth one.
1: Oh. Um, I know math, and that seems wrong. But you know what? I'll allow it. Uh, <laughs> yeah.
0: It will never not blow my mind that Kate Blanchett is Kate Blanchett is about to win another Oscar, and is a, is appeared in more um, almost as many Best Picture winners as Robert De Niro, like as many Best Picture nominated films as De Niro. I think she's now appeared in eleven Best Picture nominees over the course of her career, and yet she was the main antagonist. Playing a communist, not a communist woman in an Indiana Jones movie, in which he survived nuclear explosion by writing in a refrigerator.
1: <laughs> yeah, I for I always forget she was in that movie, but you know. So not
0: only that she the, was in it, not only that she was in it, that she was the main antagonist.
1: Right, but you know, even the greats have are in bad things. Unfortunately, see, for her. see
0: Eddie Redmayne in Jupiter Ascending. <laughs> oh man.
1: All right, uh, let's move on, and let's see if we can try to get through some of these a little quicker. I doubt it, uh, but we're going to television now, and I think a couple of these will be in front of will be released before the Superman movie. but first up, we have an animated feature i mean not an animated feature an animated series called creature commando uh it's going to be set in the nineteen eighties and the breakdown of the team is uh. That it's Frankenstein's monsters teaming up with a werewolf, a fr- uh, a werewolf, a vampire, and a gorgon to fight Nazis in World War II. Um, that is the long line from comics. In this one, I think the the lineup is going to be Frankenstein, Frankenstein's monster, uh, Weasel from the Suicide Squad. There's Jim, uh, Jim, Dave's gun connection. Uh, and I cannot remember the rest. And also Rick Flag Senior. Father of the Rick Flag we've seen in the Suicide Squad movie. Uh, but this one will be animation. And as they said, they wanted to get uh, people to do the animated voices as well as appear in these movies. So it would have to be bigger names if that's the way they're gonna go. Uh and they also said this one, I think this was already in production, uh, which to me says that in that uh in that article months back that said there was a power grab and people were trying to grab different sections of DC. I think this is one of those things that they grabbed and started on even before they were officially in charge. It was just something that DC was like, here, you can have. And they they ran with it. So it's an eclectic group of, it's an eclectic team. And the premise is eclectic enough and mastery enough that I think that they can kind of enjoy it like other people would kind of enjoy it. But it's just going to be, it's gonna be weird. This that's there's no other way to say it. It's gonna be weird. Uh I mean I'm curious to see what the audience is gonna be for this and where these characters are gonna cross over again because we know that's the thing that they want to do.
0: Yeah, that that makes uh, all kinds of sense. And um this this just gives off good, funny, out there vibes. And the more Weasel in my life, the better.
1: <laughs> uh Weasel's a, yeah, I wanna um, he did just enough to make me curious in, in The Suicide Squad. So, I'm, um, it's it's got mean, my enough
0: He did just enough by lying dead on the
1: ground for three hours? It wasn't even the lying down on the ground. It's pretty much the fact that he got up and scurried off that kind of has me like, ah, oh, hmm, what is this? And it also means that, you know, James is going to bring his brother back to be Weasel, which I think they have said without saying.
0: I mean, he did say that those who play these characters and the animated voices will be the ones to play them later on. So, yeah. On to right. the uh, Peacemaker season two. Oh wait,
1: yeah. James just kind of said that you know, doing all this, he's a little bit busy now. So, Peacemaker two is on hold. But they did announce the the series for, and I think it's was announced before. It but, was. Yeah. Now it was like official that we're getting a Amanda Waller TV series. Uh it seems like and he and I want to say they they said that Team Peacemaker will appear in this show. So it I think it's going to be kind of a mashup of some of the things that Peacemaker 2 was going to be with the Samantha Wallace series uh put together. Uh I like the idea the, of this. Uh Viola Davis has yet to like really be Viola Davis in this role. So this gives her a chance to do that. Uh, it also gives us a chance to really see what Waller can do and why people fear and respect her as much as they do. And it should be dealing with the ramifications of the end of Peacemaker, which outed Amanda Waller as like behind this secret task force. So there are a lot of cool elements to take advantage of in this show, and I think I think this is this is one that you should be a, a layup. I think people just see all the elements and be like, oh, I want to watch this. So let's see what happens.
0: Yeah, I mean, I get greatest show ever is a little bit of an exaggeration, but like it, it's uh it's the one thing that's going to continue on from the Snyderverse to the to the James Gunn universe. And, you know, you got Viola Davis, who's an amazing actress, Oscar nomination this year or not, and she's amazing and wonderful in the, the role. And she advanced the role even further in Peacemaker than she did in this the Suicide Squad. The movies, so I'm interested to see what she does. I'm glad Team Peacemaker, including Gunn's wife, will be back, um, and I'm just I'm just interested to see how that goes. Um, but it, it definitely seems like the most no brainer of a way to continue, especially if Peacemaker himself in the series is going to have to take a short break. Um, this is a way to continue it on.
1: All right. So with Waller out of the way, let's go to. Uh... The next one we have is simply called Lantern. It is a Green Lantern TV show, not to be confused with the one that was long in development for HBO Max from Greg Berlanti. They have scrapped that one; they're starting over. This one is going to be is going to feature two lanterns: uh, Hal Jordan and John Stewart. Uh, one is one is like the grizzled veteran; the other is kind of younger, I think. Uh, and they said this will invoke true detective style so this is going to be a terrestrial st- this is going to be a detective story they said it's going to be more terrestrial so to be taking place on earth and how do you mesh the two genres in there together uh yeah i I'm, in tr- I'm i'm i really want this one to do well because it is green lanterns and i do think green lanterns can work to really well on the small screen and have them trans- translate as needed to the big screen and Going true detective style does pique my interest uh, probably a little bit more than anything else. But I really love Green Lanterns, so I really want this to to work out.
0: Yeah, the Lanterns would have to be called or attracted to Earth for some type of reason. You would get this detective show that would basically start kind of revealing the whole narrative behind what they're doing and what it's leading to. And I think that that would be a great thing. Uh, casting here just would seem to me to be really important chemistry between the two leads would seem to me to be really important because that's something that's been key to the True Detective series as a whole um, it works best when the leads have good chemistry with each other um, but it, it, this this should be the key to unlocking everything else that they're doing it should be fairly obvious once Lanterns is coming out or out that this is where they're pointing us to in the Gods and Monsters story yeah, yeah. I all right, two more. Uh, to, uh, on to the most misleading thing in all of this.
1: Oh, oh, I got some talking coming to Brian. But the next thing up is called Paradise Lost. Uh, it is. Excuse me, excuse me, sir, sir, sir. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, are there any angels involved in this? No. Are there any devils or demons involved in this? No. Is there any war for the fate of heaven and humanity? No then why are we calling it Paradise Lost? Okay, it's not okay, Paradise I can,
1: Lost. I can tell you why. Because while the name of the island is Themyscira, it's, al- it's also called Paradise Island. And that's where the paradise in this comes from. Uh, like, I don't remember when I learned the name was Themyscira, but for a long time, I think, officially, all it was called was Paradise Island. So that is, it's not an arbitrary name. It does very it. When I think of Paradise Island, I think of Wonder Woman. And thermoscara is just something... I think of it now because of the movie and having to... Which is to one of the things Patty
0: did... One of the things Patty did really, really well is flushing out that world.
1: Yes. And, I th- and because of that, I think that's why we're here. Because people who wanted to spend more time on thermoscara, that's why we're here. And they're taking that and they're going another step. And they're saying this is their, they want to get into the politics a Paradise Island. They call it Game of Thrones, kind of, kind of in in that same kind of vein. So, what are the politics of Paradise Island? Why are they doing the things they're doing? How they're doing them? And all of this is supposed to take place before Diana's born. So, it's a prequel to whatever Wonder Woman we get next.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're talking about basically making an all female, ancient Rome, ancient Greece, ancient Egypt type government and type society. And how that works, and how that differentiates between—we know what wars between men are for power, and how men cor- get corrupted, and how men backstab and betray one another. And uh, you know, would the same thing occur in an all-female environment? How would that look? What would the results be? And because the—you know—the the way it is presented in Patty's films is—is is a a society that works in harmony. That works together, that's all on the same page, that's not fractured or fissured in any kind of way, but they're all in peace and harmony and and understanding of and supportive of one another. How do you get there? And I think that's that's an interesting uh log line to take. My thing is, uh, while I understand why the title is there as a Milton head, it's just always gonna frustrate me.
1: I get it. I get it. It is a seminal literary work and they're AP on it for this movie, but you know, I digress. And yeah. finally,
0: well, I mean, it's based on a comic run, which was also called Paradise Island Lost. Um, so you just cut the island part out. But I, I I get it. I mean, Game of Thrones and political intrigue stories have been around forever. I mean, before HBO had Game of Thrones, they had Rome, which to me was a better two season. Rome to me was better in two seasons than Game of Thrones was in eight, but that's just me.
1: Ooh, strong words. strong words. All right. Uh finally we have um booster go so booster go is a is a property that I think uh, online people have been clamoring for a lot uh I think you can have fun with this the whole premise is booster go is a loser in the future uh where where um, their tech is so advanced the suit that he has is like considered like normal tech uh he's able to he finds some time travel mechanism. He goes back in time uh to our time so he can um basically sort of game the system and be richer and be more uh, noticed and uh noteworthy and i and that premise sets up a lot. Booster has typically been on the comedic side, but you can do a lot with him. And I think uh I think they will. I think you can have him run up two heroes and like offend them by the whole um he is very flamboyant uh, attention-seeking and how that will rub people the wrong way and how he's trying to get uh he's trying first of all, and foremost he's trying to get money but he is a hero at heart so he does the right thing So how did he play it out where he he starts off as completely selfish and it makes completely selfless by the end I, I really like Booster Gold as a character and I think some of his stories are great so I'm looking forward to this
0: uh I'm just laughing because Brian Cox just uh just said when asked about Brian Singer and his uh behavior on the X-Men sets, quote, he was under a lot of strain.
1: Yeah, I saw that earlier. Uh I, I kind of like shook my head at it.
0: Um, this could be fun. And again, depending on who, the writer you want to take, it, it could be really, really fun. I've already seen some casting, fan casting being floated around. I think it, it could be fun and in and I think that that's the main thing here is is balancing these different tones from the Batman and Robin uh, series to the you know the Superman legacy to the Supergirl to, in the world of tomorrow. Just balancing these tones and finding some the finding what works for each individual story and how you weave them together in a way that is both ma- narratively satisfying, is also and also uh, you know dramatically satisfying is uh, is going to be the key and i i think that these guys have an idea they have a plan they have a goal they're working toward and i think they'll be successful with it but it's just a matter of how like we talked about on last week's podcast how much of this stuff can you get through and 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 what happens if there's another sale but you can't really worry about that right now all you can do is just enjoy the fact that you've got competent people in the charge who actually care about the character
1: yeah that's all you can do
0: and want to tell these stories, that's the thing. they want to tell these stories, and that's that's the main.
1: yep, so that is the slate that we have so far. Um, James Gunn did say that this is not the entire slate. there's probably going to be other things um and you know, it's a range in chapters, so there'll be multiple chapters, but th- this is what we can expect so far, and we'll be hearing other things as time goes on. yeah, start, start
0: with your best foot forward. Make sure that your Superman legacy movie is as good as it can be and is on solid as solid footing as it can be so that when it comes out, people like it. They, li- they like it. They want to spend more time with this particular Superman and you get to go f- get to go from there. They also did announce the Batman part two um, and they dated it um, for 2025. I want to say right. correct.
1: Yep. Um, October 3rd, 2025.
0: Which again puts it in that, uh, it in a different window because, uh, the, the, the Batman was a March release. So, um, it'll be interesting to see. Um, like, I don't know, man, like it, it, it's genuinely a positive, upbeat thing. And I think that as long as they commit and James Gunn commits to making the best Superman movie he can, I think it'll be well received. I think people will like it. And I think that uh that will start the universe on a on a good path, Chad. Yeah. 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 So that but, that's that's my thoughts on the matter anyway.
1: <laughs> oh no, I didn't have any uh didn't really have anything to add outside of on that release schedule note, noting that at this rate, um we'll have that new Superman movie and Batman Part 2 um the same calendar year. One in July, one in October,
0: and meanwhile we'll have Kang Dynasty and uh, Secret Wars on the horizon. At that point,
1: right, right. That's the only thing about this, and and you know these things take time, so it's going to be years, literal years, before we really see the fruits of their labor.
0: And who knows what happens to corp- and corporate uh, and corporate structures over the next tw- uh, twelve to twenty four to forty eight months.
1: I think they have to wait twenty four more months. Twenty four more months, so it wouldn't be until twenty twenty six. Yeah, when this thing is really starting to go in earnest, when somebody could potentially buy them. So, yeah.
0: All right. Uh, and Chad, who would uh, who would you assume would be the villain of a part two? I know I some know, of the because- promotional work. I know some of the pro- promotional work that I've seen floated around there has very much had a Mister Freeze type feel to it. But that didn't seem to me to be the direction Reeves was going at all. um I think that Reeves was saving Joker for a third movie, but uh i didn't i didn't necessarily get the feeling he was going freeze with this second movie. I thought maybe he was going more with uh uh the hush stuff so wh-
1: what are your thoughts he, uh, he wants to do so much ground and stuff I have a hard time seeing freeze. I also know he was. Like when he was going into this one, or like on the tail end of this one, he was really pushing the idea of like Batman sixty six. And in Batman sixty six, his primary adversaries are Catwoman, Penguin, Riddler, and Joker. So we're already taking the Riddler off the the pay, the, the taking Riddler off the board. Joker, we're taking off the board because presumably third. Catwoman's probably still going to be there, and we know Penguin's getting his own show. So maybe this focuses on. Penguin is like the big boss and maybe he has a lower villain that I can't think of right now. Like just any random one be like his muscle and his Batman doing that. Uh, especially because Reeves, when uh, when they said it was an Elseworld, Reeves tweeted out uh, something. Somebody said uh, Epic Crime Saga and he retweeted that. So I think it's going to lean into the crime element of it. So I don't think we get anybody fantastical. I don't think we might get an extra character, but I think it's going to revolve around like the penguin, probably.
0: Yeah, which would make sense for why you would say that the uh, which it which it makes sense for why you would say that um the penguin HBO Max show would set up the world in which Batman Two would exist. Right, and I'm sure that you would most likely get an update on where Zoe Kravitz's uh, Catwoman is in that show as well.
1: Probably. Yeah,
0: and explain the hush stuff to me one more time because I know that there was a there was an issue with the the drug or the toxin that they were taking in this movie, and and that kind of alluding to something down the line.
1: Well, the hush thing really was alluded to in the first one in the uh, when they're doing the the newsreel of the Wayne's involvement. Uh, that the newspaper guy that found out about Bruce's mother's problems. His last name was Elliot. Um, And I want to say, on one of those papers in that screen setting, it said "Hush." So, in this world, um, in the comics, Hush is a character by the name of Tommy Elliot. He was Bruce's best friend growing up. They fell out. He be, he grew up and found out Bruce is Batman, I think, and then became Hush. So, when all of that came up in the movie, honestly, with the aesthetic of the Riddler had, and the, it seemed like. The movie was setting up the Riddler to be the son, to be Tommy Elliot, the son of the newspaper reporter, one that was mentioned in The Batman, but he wasn't. So there's an opening for them to bring that in, to bring in a younger, uh, to bring, not younger, but to bring in Tommy Elliot to have his interactions with Batman and become Hush.
0: It would be an that would definitely be an interesting, uh, interesting avenue to take. All right, Chad. So that'll about do it for this week's podcast. If you want to keep up with this podcast and my life cratering around it, um, you can follow us on Twitter. I am at BCWTigerFan.
1: I'm at the Mets Theory.
0: And just a, a quick, quick reminder: um, the embargo for Ant Man and the Wasp social media reactions will lift tomorrow night. Um, the review embargo will lift on Valentine's Day. So we will know more. We will know more about the kickoff to Phase Five uh, in less than twenty-four hours. Thank yep, you very cool much. We'll see. You. Thank you very much, and have a pleasant evening.